It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. GLG Green Life Group, celebrating 25 years. Your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Evening, everybody. Welcome along to the first serve. It is your home of tennis every uh, Monday night here on 1116 SEM. We're also on SENSA, the app, online, wherever you might be uh, taking us in around uh, the country. Uh, Brett Phillips uh, with you. Your show, your thoughts, as I always say, off the top, one 736 736 Or on the text tonight, 433398 1116. Always love your contribution to the show. You can direct the tennis conversation wherever you like. There's plenty bubbling around uh, domestically, plenty going on abroad. Australian Open 2021, it's uh, getting to real crunch time, but better news in Victoria today might just uh, fast track that conversation. But the floor is uh, certainly yours. Got a couple of rounds of golf to Club Mandalay, got the $50 Rapid Tune voucher, we'll throw in a few other little bits and pieces as well, so anything you'd like to have a chat about, one 736 736 just a reminder too, of course you can be a winner at the first serve overall, uh, entries closing uh, for our Wilson giveaway competition, flooded with entries, great entries from all over Australia uh, for uh, our Wilson giveaway, so that closes on Friday at 5pm Eastern, all thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite Online tennis store, fast delivery, great prices, free delivery and orders over $150. Uh, just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au right now. First serve listeners, you do get that 10% discount, even on any items that are already discounted. Uh, use the promo code first serve 10 So those two Wilson RG Clash 100G3 rackets, accessories with the value of $500. Also two of the Wilson RG Blade 98 rackets and all the accessories also to the value of $500 we are giving away. So just head to our website. That's probably the best place I can steer you to. It's on the homepage, how you enter, the process you go through, and we'll uh, announce our first winner on the show next Monday as we start to tick into uh, November. I I wanted to open the show tonight with a bit of a footy theme into tennis because footy and tennis met on the weekend. And when I found out last week that Ash Barty was going to present the Premiership Cup to Richmond, to Damien Hardwick and Trent Cotchin if they won, I immediately thought that that's a great call. It's a year where nothing has been traditional. A grand final outside of Melbourne in a non-traditional time slot, non-traditional length of quarters for the entire year. Why not have someone outside the normal uh, giving of the Premiership Cup, a club legend. That hasn't always been the case, but as we know, it's been uh, more often than not the case where a former great of the club presents the Premiership Cup. And in a year that we've had, why not have 
the world number one in her sport and a very passionate Tigers fan, not just a fly-by-the-seat sort of casual observer to say I'm a Richmond supporter and I, you know, jump on the bandwagon and put on a Tigers jumper. No, she's dying the wool ash party. And in a typical understated way, she didn't do a Bobby Davis of all those years ago and not let go of the cup and hide Bomber Thompson from the, uh, the glorious standing there lifting the cup. He wouldn't get out of the picture, Bobby, that year. But in her very understated way, Ash Barty said, here you go, Dimmer. Here you go, Trent. I'll exit stage left. And that's what she's all about. I was asked by Dwayne today on his program. She didn't do a lot of media in the, uh, the build-up and she hasn't done any media since. Well, that is Ash Barty. She's not seeking to be in the media uh, left, right and centre. In fact, a lot of people who have entered our Wilson giveaway make the comment, we'd love to see Ash Barty more on the program. Well, we've had her on this show. We've had great access to her at the French Open. Day in, day out access when she won last year. But as she has now become the world number one, she's become harder to access. And you can imagine her management team is fielding quadruple the amount of requests that were there before she won the French Open and elevated herself to uh, world number one. So she'll do her media selectively and not just do media for the sake of it. She doesn't really uh, seek to be in the media and uh, she did it in a very, very understated way on the weekend. But I thought it was a nice touch. Ash Barty, who's a beloved Richmond fan, who's spent time at Punt Road, trained with the players, particularly when she was... Uh, out of the tennis scene there, just to uh, you know, get her, her feeling back for tennis. She did a lot of cross-training uh, with the uh, the Richmond players. So well done to you, Ash, for uh, having your moment, uh, just a brief moment there, but playing your part in Richmond's uh, glory on the weekend. Let's get into our uh, tour wrap. There is a bit going on around the world. Alex Demonor, who, quite frankly, is our, he's our one hope. He is our absolutely one hope. And I'll go into that in a little bit more detail because I often get asked the question, the state of Australian tennis, how do we compare on the world stage? Are we overachieving? Are we underachieving? Where is our position? It's certainly never, ever going to return to the halcyon days of the 50s, the 60s and the early 70s when Australian male players were regularly winning Grand Slam trophies. It's just not going to happen because... Just about every country is representing tennis, so the odds have become much harder. But a good return to form for Alex overnight. He did lose to a Frenchman. I'll get on to the French in a moment, Uga Humbert, who won his second title for the year. But Alex had been in a little bit of a rut since returning to tennis post-COVID, so it was nice to see him make a final. He sits at 25 in the world at the age of 21, so it's a good place to be in. Who knows where he goes, how far he elevates, that's still the question that we can't really answer right now and he's got plenty of time up his sleeve to actually uh, get to where he wants to get to. We hope it's going to be in the top ten, but we know the competition around him is going to be really, really tough. But uh, well done to Uga Humbert, the uh, Frenchman winning the uh, European Open over the weekend. Uh, in fact, in the five-year history of that tournament, uh, Gasquet won in 2016, Songa won in 2017. So uh, the French have had a, a pretty good run. And, uh, of course, he survived uh, match points in an epic uh, three-setter in the semifinals against the Brit, uh, Dan Evans. Uh, John Pierce. Never, ever, ever forget John Piers. We don't on this show. Doubles is a huge part of tennis. Piers, he is a Grand Slam champion. He's a two-time ATP finals champion. He's had different partners across the journey, uh, the journey, Jamie Murray, Henry Continent, and this year teaming up with the Kiwi, Michael Venus. Well, they've won three titles uh, this year and in, in interrupted tennis year. They're 21-8. and eight. 
their position now is to step up at Masters 1000 level and at Grand Slam level uh, when that tennis uh, returns in, uh, well, the back end of this year with Paris still to come, but predominantly in 2021. 23 Grand Slam, sorry, 23 ATP doubles titles for John Pearce. He's put together a pretty good resume as someone who played singles who decided, no, I'm just going to specialise in doubles. But Dubai, Hamburg and Antwerp, nicely done. Alexander Zverev. One in Cologne over the weekend, so back-to-back for Zverev, uh, beating little Diego Schwartzman, which is not an easy assignment in uh, tennis these days because Diego's elevated himself inside the top ten and had obviously a very good French Open. But uh, back-to-back titles, he beat uh, Auger Aliassime, the Canadian, uh, last week. 13 titles for Alexander Zverev, and as we keep saying, the next step is to really get it done at Grand Slam level. But certainly encouraging this year to make a US Open final and a semi-final of the Australian Open. So he's getting uh, better and better. Uh, there's one place I wouldn't mind going to uh, when we're allowed to actually get around the world again. That's Vienna in Austria. I mean, everyone I've spoken to who's been to Europe says you've got to get to Vienna. Just a beautiful part of the world. And Dominic Team would agree with that. Uh, this week, the best are assembling on the men's side of the tour. There's not too many missing. There's really only Nadal and Federer out of that top ten group. We might have a listen to a few of the players who are going to compete in uh, Vienna this week. We might start with uh, Dominic Team. He's on uh, home soil. He's the world number three. He returns to defend his title. He's had a bit of a break, pretty spent after the US Open and the French, uh, but here is the Austrian. Well, Dominic, thank you for your time. No, you're a man in demand back here in Vienna. Um, can you just uh, talk a little bit about how you're feeling physically and mentally after Roland Garros? I feel pretty good again. <clears throat> I mean, it was a pretty short period in between... US Open and French Open, but I handled it well. I gave everything I had, but obviously I was uh, completely done after the French Open. So took off um, a week where I did nothing and also had to reflect on, on still the US Open title because right uh, after that I was uh, focusing full power on the French Open. And uh, yeah, then set myself new goals, of course, looking forward to the tournament in Vienna, which is always or every year a, a special highlight since I'm a young kid, since I'm playing here for the first time. And I'm, I'm happy and excited that it starts tomorrow. You, you talk about time to reflect, and obviously everyone's been talking to you about that US Open win, but I suppose have you had much of a chance to look at the, that kind of progress, the whole, I guess, starting Indian Wells and all the way through to that US Open victory? What, what a phenomenal kind of 18 months it's been for you. It's been a really phenomenal 18 months, but also tough 18 months for myself because um, I really uh, put a lot of pressure on myself, especially... The time uh, from Australian Open finals until US Open was tough because I was so close there. I mean, it was a great match, a great final, but I lost again. And then I had a great momentum. Probably I was playing best tennis of my life. Then the, the tour stopped out of a sudden. So nobody knew when it continues. And then US Open um, with uh, was with the very special circumstances. And then um, after... Novak went out of the tournament like all the pressure was was on us remaining players uh, was clear that there's going to be a new Grand Slam champion so all of that was not easy and of course I'm, I'm super happy that I ended up winning the tournament um, that my 
biggest dream, my biggest goal I ever had in my tennis career became reality. So things are a little bit easier. I'm a little bit more relaxed since that. And um, I'm happy and excited for, excited for everything that's coming up now. You talk about living out dreams. Can I just get you to talk a little bit about how much it meant to you to win here last year? I would say um, after US Open, that's my second personal most important title what I have um, because uh, I'm coming here since I'm a four or five years old kid first of all just a fan who doesn't know anything about tennis then um, like a super tennis interested kid and then uh, playing the qualities for the first time getting wildcats for the main draw winning the first ATP main draw match here then seed it for the first time kind of uh, being the local hero for the first time and then I mean ending up winning the tournament last year with with every match sold out here and tremendous atmosphere was until the US Open definitely my most important title and will always stay um, and have a very special place in my heart. Uh, indeed, a very special place in his heart. He is a star Dominic team. There's no doubt he is uh, destined to win more Grand Slam trophies, more tour titles. Uh, you know, I've sung his praises uh, so much, but when you see the, uh, the body of work that he's produced at such a young age and what's to come and the fact that he'll be in his early 30s, he'll be the age of where Nadal and Djokovic are now as they're right at the tail end and exiting. He'll still have a, a really good window to uh, gee, build a, a very impressive uh, resume. Uh, Brett, obviously the demon is always going to be smaller than his opponents off the text. What does he have to do to maybe sneak a grand slam or two? What can he do to get the advantage? Will it all be mental? It's the burning question, isn't it? So he, he is our best placed. Okay, so he's won titles. Uh, let, let's be quite frank about it. The other Australians inside the top 100 are not going to win a grand slam. I'd be very surprised. And you don't like to put the ruler through, but let's call it as we see it. Millman, Duckworth, Thompson, great competitors. They'll give their all. Alexi Popperin, he's just lost in qualifying about half an hour ago for the 250 coming up in Kazakhstan this week. And a little bit of a rut, Alexi. So he's trying to get to where Alex is, and we all think he's got the capacity to. He's different in size, a different style of player. Uh, easier power than Alex Dimonor, but he's still got to get to where Dimonor is. So Dimonor has got, I think, the mental capacity in place that maybe Popperin's still got to build. I think it's going to come down to timing, really. You know, just, just timing. You've got to be patient. I mean, this era of men's tennis is unbelievable. So we still might be talking seven or eight years away for Alex Dimonor to have a real crack at maybe sneaking a grand slam. That little window that Hewitt had... Uh, before, obviously, in the Darlin Federer got going at the back end of Sampras. Uh, Hewitt had that little window to win a couple of majors, and he earned them, absolutely. Uh, but it's all timing, so I think Alex is capable. I think he'll just keep working at all the little bits of his game. He knows that he's not blessed with uh, almighty power, height. He's not always going to get three points off his first serve, but when you compete like Alex Demonor does, you give yourself a chance just to wear down guys and have that mental edge. So uh, I think he's uh, very capable. I'll tell you one guy who I think can win a Grand Slam. He's impressing me more and more and more, and that is Andre Rublev, uh, the Russian, who is the current 
uh, world number eight. He's going to be in Vienna this week as well. I love the Russians. They're charismatic. Uh, they're intriguing. They've got a hard edge. They've also got this little bit of um, just something about their character that makes them fascinating. Here's uh, Andre Rublev. I mean, in general, I'm, I enjoy Vienna a lot. It's a really beautiful city uh, with amazing culture. And in general, the tournament I really like. So that's why I'm coming here for the fourth time. Um, you've arrived there after a very special win. Uh, it's still very fresh, but uh, has it sunk in winning, winning on home still in Russia? I mean, it's an amazing feeling, especially when you win at home. And uh, yeah, and I'm really happy that uh, this year was 500, so <laughs> I win it as the, as the 500 title. So. I'm really happy. It was a special week, and I played really good level there. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen next. After us, we what might happen next. Uh, amazing you having two spots left for London. What would it mean to you to get one of those? Uh, I mean, of course, I will be really happy, especially knowing that it's going to be the last year in London, and at least to play there once on a tour and uh, it will be a really special feeling for me so we'll see i mean this year i didn't even think that i will have chance so i want to keep thinking the same way because in the end if i don't make it nothing is going to change for me in the end i still have amazing season so when if i make it then perfect so we'll see in a couple of weeks we will find out it has been an amazing four titles now. Tied with Novak. I mean, just how, how proud are you of that team to do other than? I mean, I don't know. I didn't, didn't even think about it. But of course, it's it's great. I mean that. But still, it's it's a lot of things to to work on. It's, there's so many things that I need to improve if I want to keep the same level, if I want to keep improving, if I want to compete with the best players and to have chance to fight against them. There's so many things that I still need to improve and I still need to focus. Yeah, it's uh, pretty impressive what he's done so far. We still so much upside to come for Andre Rublev. He and Djokovic with the most titles on the tour in 2020. We'll come back and have a listen to Denis Shapovalov. We'll listen to Novak Djokovic, who plays in Vienna this week for the first time in 13 years. So wanting that extra tournament uh, leading into the back end Paris and the ATP finals uh, still to come. I'd love you to weigh in about the young guys. Where, where have you got the sort of pecking order? We talk about the demon from an Australian perspective because we're trying to build hope from a home point of view. But, gee, what he's up against uh, with those guys who are around about the same age or maybe a year older. Uh, it's going to be tough. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, keep up to date with our website, thefirstserve.com.au. All the news there for you. We're here thanks to Top Agents Real Estate, uh, servicing all of Melbourne. If you're looking to buy, rent, sell, have that property investment managed, uh, make contact with David and his team. They'll be back in the office tomorrow, nine double five eight four five double nine. Top-agents.com.au is their website. Uh, inspections open. More to come. Hopefully a bit of chance to sell. We'll be back with more of the First Serve. GLG Greenland. Life Group, your open space specialists, celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis.
Great to have you with us on a Monday night. Brett Phillips uh, with you. Happy to take your calls. one 736 736 Or on the text 0433 98-11-16 covering uh, the world of tennis. Uh, honest question. Not trying to be a smart aleck. How good was Bernard Tomic as a junior, Brett? I never saw him play. Well, when you win the Orange Bowl as a junior, that is a pretty impressive thing to have on your resume. I think he won that at under-14 level from memory. The first time I went to Wimbledon, Bernard Tomic was in the juniors. He was out on court 12 and there was a bit of talk about him. So uh, the great part about Wimbledon for the juniors is actually they play in front of really good crowds, not just a sprinkling of the closest relatives and friends. It's actually a really good crowd. So they get a feel for the, you know, a big court, big tournament, the atmosphere, a bit of ambience around them. And he was just doing extraordinary things. You, you couldn't take your eyes off him because he had so many points of difference. He wasn't belting the cover off the ball. It was a beautiful timing, caressing the ball. His technique was fascinating. He was still growing at that stage. I had a really simple sort of service action that you thought, geez, he gets taller. He's going to get some free points off that serve, which has proven to be the case. But the thing that didn't really improve as he was getting taller and filling out was his uh, ability to move. Um, and that, that's been the weakness of Tomic. And, and, you know, certainly he shot himself in the foot a fair bit just not doing the level of preparation that you need to do to be an elite tennis player. It just spits you out. Uh, unless physically you can go the journey in men's professional tennis. Look at the top end. I mean, look at these bruising encounters between Djokovic and Nadal or now Dominic Team stepping up to play a Djokovic and who can now go the distance in a five-setter. That's the sort of physicality and fitness level that you've got to be at. But no, he he was he was bound to have a um, a period where he could maximise that talent. So he gets to world number seventeen. That's a mighty effort on the back of so many points of difference. No one wanted to play Bernard Tomic. It was a nightmare playing Tomic. But yeah, unfortunately, it's fallen all the way the other way as we know and gone south in a hurry. And I don't think it'll recover itself. I think there's just um, probably not the will from Bernard's point of view to really resurrect. As he said, he told us a couple of years ago how much money he's got in the bank. I'd hate to know how much he's blown over the last couple of years, but hopefully he's uh, put a bit away to at least uh, just sort of cover this gap, this sort of lull that he's in to work out what the hell am I going to do uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, the players, as I mentioned, will be in Vienna this week. ATP 500, it's uh, it's a really big uh, tournament. Uh, love to have your say on uh, the world of tennis as well. one 736 736 But Denis Shapovalov is, is coming. We talk about him a lot. He is the world number 12. If he can have a really good week in Vienna this week, he might be able to sneak that last spot for the ATP finals at the O2 in London. The last year it's going to be in London before it heads to uh, Turin in Italy next year. But let's have a listen to the big lefty who's in uh, Vienna this week. Uh, well, Dennis, thank you very much for your time. It's great to see you here in uh, Vienna. Um, can I just ask, uh, how, how are you feeling physically and mentally arriving here? Yeah, good. Definitely uh, very happy to be back in Vienna. I feel like... Uh, it's one of one of the good tournaments of the of the year. I really love coming here, and the city is just amazing. So it's uh, it's amazing to to be back here. And last 500 of the year, I know a strange year, but um, how would you assess the year on on court for you? You must be proud of the recent form. Yeah, definitely very happy with the way I've been able to play and uh, just my form overall. I feel like I've been playing some some great matches. Of course, some some tough losses throughout the year, but they've all been really close, and uh, I'm just super happy with with the results and the. You know, a few couple months of tennis that we've had for us. 
And I have to ask you, there's two slots left for London. I mean, I know everybody wants to get there. I mean, if, could you tell us a little bit about how much it would mean to you to get to qualify this year? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely would mean so much to me. Of course, it's going to be uh, very tricky. Um, you know, some, some tough draws last couple, couple weeks of the year. And, uh, and of course, you know, Andre's kind of uh, pull, pulled away. And uh, so it's really one, one spot left. So it's, uh, it's going to be very tricky to, to get it. But of course, it would, be, it would just mean the world to me. And obviously the last year at the O2, I'm sure you've, you've watched it over the years, and I know you, you've been there as well. I mean, a great opportunity to, to be there in the final year. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, just just being there and uh, and feeling it. I remember watching, I think it was Roger versus uh, David playing there, and just the atmosphere and everything. It's uh, it's what every player dreams of competing in, so it's uh, definitely, definitely a big goal of mine. There he is, uh, Dennis Shepovelov. Never short of a word. He's confident. He's got a game to back it up. He appears to be going in the right direction. Still a lot of hard work to do. Still a lot of hard work. He's filling out. He's trying to add components to his game. Um, you know, you, don't, you haven't got it all covered, obviously, at the age of uh, 21, but, gee, it's been impressive. Sorry, BP, you're closer to winning than any of our young players. I appreciate that, Daniel. I don't know if you've been spying on my forehand or my beautiful single-handed backhand, which is uh, progressing. Uh, but, look, it's probably, you know, I'm not <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough for our Australian players. And at the end of the day, you are what you are. So Demonor is the one hope at the moment because he has got a bit of X factor. He's got enormous drive and he's prepared to work his absolute backside off to be the best that he can be. I'm not saying the others aren't, but the others may just have got to their limit. This is what they are. They're a, a top 50 player. They're a, they're a good player between 50 and 100. That's no disgrace. Uh, your talent only takes you so far, and uh, that's where they might end up. So, yeah, it's going to be a little while. I'll, I'll, just before we end the show tonight, I've done a little exercise uh, just looking at the four Grand Slam nations and just how we uh, stack up with uh, the talent and the talent of the past. Uh, speaking of a man that's got talent, Novak uh, Djokovic. He hasn't seen Vienna for about 13 years. He won the title uh, back before he got on this uh, unbelievable run, winning uh, Grand Slams uh, year in, year out. But uh, the world number one has decided to play the 500 this week. Great to see him back in Vienna. Uh, I think it was the 2007. Uh, he had that great win over Stan. Could you just talk us through your decision to come back and play in Vienna again this year? Well, it has been uh, 13 years since my last visit to Vienna, and which was... Obviously, uh, a great memory of a very successful week winning the tournament. Um, Vienna is you know, one of the most beautiful cities in the world and a city uh, that is part of the country that nurtures uh, a sports and specifically tennis tradition out. Um, and uh, the big credit for that goes to Thomas Muster, of course, who was number one of the world and Dominic team now and Grand Slam champion and uh, the other successful Austrian players that... Uh, contributed to I think the popularity of this sport and uh, it's one of the big reasons why uh, you see every year a packed house that is sold out for Dominic's matches especially but also other matches and seeing it on TV it's, it's always it's always full you know and uh, the people really love their tennis here so uh, unfortunately we won't be able to experience the full house but still playing in front of 1,000 fans is is better than, than, than no fans. Uh, obviously, I'm a bit sad that I am unable to walk the city and, and, and experience the, the vibe of the city. But uh, still, uh, the hotel is great. Uh, even though we are in a kind of safe environment conditions, we are um, 
we're still happy with the conditions. We have a great court, practice, food is amazing. And in the end of the day, uh, I think uh, this is uh, uh, great for us that we have an opportunity to compete, which is not the case really for, for many other sports. So we have to be, I think, thankful and grateful in the end of the day. And an ATP 500 near the end of the season, I know always a big deal, but there's a lot on the line, a lot up, yes. up the grounds for yourself. Just uh, I guess that must have been in, in the thinking as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was, you know, uh, opportunity to win new extra points uh, in, in the race for the ranking for to finish the year as number one this season, but also for that historic number one race. Of course, that was one of the big reasons why, why I came to Vienna. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to obviously win as many matches as possible. I know I need a couple of matches to, to, to end up as, you know, number one of the, of the world in this season. And, and hopefully I'll be able to do that. You know, I, I, that's, that's definitely one of the, one of the big goals. Um, and yeah, we'll see how we see how it goes. It's a very strong field. Uh, you have six out of top 10 players playing here at the 500 event. I think this must be, if not the, um, hardest, or the toughest uh, uh, men's draw of all time of 500 category event and definitely one of one of the the, the 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 hardest ones that we ever seen that i was ever part of so the quality of matches from the first round will be very very high you mentioned it there about the, the goal to finish here in number one so that would then tie you with pete sampras i know you've talked about in the past just such admiration that that right up with so many achievements you have but i imagine that would be right up no absolutely i mean pete was someone i was looking up to when i was growing up and um you know to match his his uh, his record would be, would be uh, definitely a dream come true i'm hopefully going to get there and uh, you know and and keep keep striving to you know, to, to be a better player and to, to hopefully make, uh, make uh, more success and, and, and write more records in, in, the, in the game and in this sport that I truly love. There is uh, Novak Djokovic, uh, the world number one in Vienna for the first time in uh, 13 years. He'll go as the, uh, certainly the hot favourite this week. He has in the first round, uh, Filipe Grajinovic, the uh, Serbian. Uh, Dominic Team's got uh, Kani Shikori, who gets the protected ranking. We know is uh, far better than uh, his current ranking, but obviously coming back from injury. Andrei Rublev, who we heard from, has got uh, Norbert Gombas, the Slovakian qualifier, and uh, Denis Shapovalov has got uh, Yuri Rodinov, the, uh, the Austrian. So Alex Dimonor is in that draw. Uh, he's got Daniel Medvedev. That is a tough uh, first-round uh, matchup. So that's how Vienna is looking. Astana in Kazakhstan. Uh, Jordan Thompson, James Duckworth and John Millman will play uh, this week. As I mentioned, Alexei Popram uh, going down in qualifying in the last half hour. Just hasn't quite found his groove uh, this year, Popram, uh, sitting just outside the top 100. Uh, Mark Polman, who actually has spoken on our Aussies Only podcast, uh, we caught up with him uh, last week just to get a feel of life in the bubble in uh, Paris and also in New York. It's a really good podcast to have a listen to at thefirstserve.com.au. Uh, rain interrupted at the moment. He leads 5-2, trying to get into another uh, main draw on the ATP Tour as uh, Mark edges closer to getting inside the uh, top 100. So all that is happening on uh, the men's side. Uh, there was the one event as we head to the break on the women's side. Estrada, of course, won by... Arena Sabalenka, uh, the tough uh, Belarusian. In fact, the first all-Belarusian WTA final she beat her... Uh, I don't know if they're... I don't think they're close friends. I observed them at the... Uh 
the Fed Cup here and uh, Vika as a ranker. I think there's an edge to that. Uh, Vika hates getting beaten at the best of times, uh, of course, uh, the two-time Grand Slam champion, but uh, Sabalenka, 6-2, 6-2. Talk about hitting the cover off the ball. She does that. I think she's got some X factor that one day might see her break through and win a Grand Slam and, of course, won the doubles title with Elise Mertens as well. So that has been life on the tour uh, last week and, of course, uh, heading into uh, this week. Uh, Tennis Direct, of course, great partners of ours. Uh, 10% off uh, all the gear there. Uh, free delivery on orders over $150. Tennisdirector.com.au. Use the promo code uh, FIRSTSERVE10, which many of you are doing. And, of course, thanks to uh, Tennis Direct, those uh, four Wilson rackets to give away and all the accessories. Head to our website, thefirstserve.com.au. We'll be back with uh, plenty more. Happy to take your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Couple on the text. I'll get to after the break. 04-33-98-11-16. GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. Celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Brett Phillips with you tonight. One three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Covering uh, the world of tennis, uh, I must say too, just in the last week. Uh, uh, where I live, uh, walking past a couple of tennis clubs, uh, walking the dog. Uh, great to see people just back having a hit. And uh, hopefully with the better news uh, today from uh, Dan Andrews is that we can get the club rooms open and uh, clubs can start to feel like uh, home again where you uh, you have a hit and then come in and have a nice uh, refreshing ale or a cup of tea, whatever the case may be, and sit around and chat about uh, the world and uh, your great forehand. So, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see uh, the club rooms open. But uh, if you'd like to let us know how you're travelling out there with the return of tennis, particularly here in Victoria, uh, 1300 736 736. Uh, Brett, Uga Humber and Yannick Sinner intrigue me. What do you think the ceiling is for them? Well, I've spoken a lot about Sinner. This young Italian, 19 years of age, he's already inside the top 50, beat Demonor at the next-gen finals uh, going back over 12 months ago. Uh, watched him uh, at, that, at that challenger level when his name was starting to surface, and that's when he was ranked in the 500s, the 600s. We've seen him fill out and grow. He's got uh, beautiful power. He's got uh, some nice finesse about him as well. Uh, so I think he, to me, just aesthetically watching him play and knowing the good people around him, so a guy called... Riccardo Piatti, who um, is based with him in Monaco, who's coached many a fine player on the ATP tour. So he's in good hands, and I think, um, you know, certainly he's top five bound. Umber, interesting, isn't it? When I went to the French last year, Popperin uh, beat him in the first round, silenced a parochial French crowd on one of the outside courts, and I looked at Umber and I thought, no, you've got a little bit of talent, but like so many French players... I'll say this. I did a little exercise. You've led me in beautifully. I did a little exercise in the last week. French Open, or French players and their impact at the slams in the Open era of men's tennis. So that started in 1968. So we know the great trivia question. The last Frenchman to win a French Open, Yannick Noah, 1983. The last Frenchman to win a US Open in the Open era. There's been none. They haven't had a finalist, the French. The last Frenchman to win Wimbledon in the Open era, zero. They had one runner-up, Cedric Pielin, who does the on-court interviews now at Roland Garros. That was back in 97. The last Frenchman to win an Australian Open in the Open era. There's been none. We've had Songa as runner-up in 08 and Arnaud Clement, who was runner-up back in uh, 2001. So 
the French right now have got 11 players inside the top 100. Four of those are in the top 50. Gael Monfils is their highest-ranked player, but he's 34 years of age. And, well, you know, like many, he's played in the toughest era of men's tennis where it's so hard to get uh, an opening to uh, to really put your hands on one of these things. So Humbe is their best young player at 22 years of age. And we know now it's past Songa, it's past Gasquet. Luca Pui had a little bit of impact. There's something about the French. I mean, everyone raves about the French tennis system, so they produce a lot of players. Even in the juniors, if you look at the four Grand Slam nations right now, juniors in the top 100. France have 12 juniors. They've got the world number one, who won the Australian Open juniors earlier this year, Harold Mayo. Uh, the US have got nine juniors in the top 100. Uh, Martin Dam is the, the highest ranked at uh, seven. Uh, Great Britain have got four juniors inside the top 100. Um, they've got a young guy, Ferry, who's ranked 12 in the juniors. Australia have got just two juniors ranked inside the top 100. Highest ranked, 86. We're a long way behind at the moment. I know that is a point of um, real agitation for plenty, that where are the juniors? Why aren't they coming through? Why aren't they emerging? We've got enough time in our remaining little slot here tonight to really go into that in a huge amount of depth. We've talked about it before, but uh, the French, from a Grand Slam point of view, so they produce all these great players who have got enormous talent and they've got a bit of flair about them and you know, they're beautiful to watch aesthetically, but they just haven't had the absolute metal to win a Grand Slam or to go really, really deep. It's pretty... Uh, for a, a nation that's one of our four Grand Slams, it's a pretty ordinary record, isn't it? They're tough. I mean, you know, certainly the, the shift from 1968 to now, uh, the shift in countries um, is, you know, there for everyone to see. If you look through that top 100, you look through the top 10, uh, the amount of different countries being represented is uh, staring us in the eye. But if you look at, you know, Australians... Um, if we use that as an example, in the open era, male Grand Slam champions from Australia. So the last Australian Open champion was Mark Edmondson, 1976. The last Australian male to win the French was Rod Laver in 69. The last Australian to win Wimbledon was Hewitt in 2002. And the last Australian to win the US Open was Leighton Hewitt in 2001. So it's been a fair drought for the Australian players... Obviously a fair drought, as we've indicated, for the French players. If we look at the Americans, who, uh, like the French, produce a lot of players, obviously per capita, population, the system, they're, they're, they're punching out a lot who are coming through the juniors. It's one thing to step out and then be able to have the impact on the ATP tour. And many of them have got, you know, had decent rankings. But the last American to win the US Open, Andy Roddick, 2003. The last American to win Wimbledon, Pete Sampras. 20 years ago, the year 2000. The last American to win the French Open was Agassi in 1999 and the last American to win the Australian Open was Andre in 2003. So it's also been a fair drought uh, for the Americans. Uh, Wimbledon, I mean, we think about the home of tennis. Now, there's no better tournament than Wimbledon. Uh, grass court tennis, it's just the most incredible place to go, but they haven't been blessed with great tennis players. I mean, until Andy Murray broke through at Wimbledon a few years ago, the joke was this guy called Fred Perry. Well, he wasn't a joke, uh, but his name became uh, the running joke. But he was a star back in the 1930s. But the last Brit to win Wimbledon, obviously Murray 2016. The last Brit to win the US Open, Murray 2012. 
But for the French, you've got to go back to Fred Perry in 1935. For the Australian Open, Fred Perry in 1934. So for the four Grand Slam nations, uh, it's been tough going. So we sometimes sort of jump on the back of why are our Australians doing well? Why aren't uh, they excelling more? Well, the picture, it's such a big universe uh, now, professional men's tennis. So we're not having it all our own way. But then there's a little, um, the little components that uh, the intangibles that sometimes you can't see. I mean, one's come off the text here. They have uh, no fighting spirit. Well, that's in reference to the French. As Homer said, the French cheese eating surrender monkeys. They have a fighting spirit. Well, they have no fighting spirit. Um, well, that, that's, that's, yeah, absolutely been the accusation against the French players. When it comes to the crunch of winning those big matches, there's something part of their makeup that they, they just don't have to get over the line. So it's funny, if you, could, if you could have the mental resolve and the fighting spirit of the Australians match with the talent of the French, you'd have a, a really good group of players. But uh, the French are blessed what they have and haven't got, and the Australians are blessed with what they have and uh, what they haven't got. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting uh, discussion. But the juniors is probably the, the real concern uh, at the moment uh, because we've only got two. Two Australian juniors in that top 100 as far as the men are concerned, and their highest ranked is 86. So we've got a fair bit of work to do, and obviously that's all part of the performance review this year, trying to get the system better. I know there are plenty uh, disgruntled out in uh, the private sector about all of that. And if you look at the best young players in the game, so the best 17-year-old on the ATP tour right now is Carlos Alcaraz, a Spaniard. He's 138 in the world already. The best 18-year-old is an Italian, Lorenzo Musetti, who won the Australian Open Juniors. 124. We've talked about Sinner, the best-ranked 19-year-old. Felix Auger, Ali Asim, Denis Shapovalov, the best 20- and 21-year-olds at, uh, what, uh, 21 and 12 in the rankings. Sitsi Pass, the best-ranked 22-year-old. He's ranked 5. Zverev's the best-ranked 23-year-old, ranked 7. Rublev, just behind him, ranked 8. And the best-ranked 24-year-olds, uh, Daniel Medvedev from Russia and Matteo Berrettini, uh, of course, ranked 6 and 10, respectively. And you've got team ranked 3 in the world who's at uh, 27. So, yeah, it's a really interesting discussion. We'll take our final break, come back and a little bit more on this here on The First Serve. DLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists, celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. It's been a tough year for every country unless you're from Switzerland, Serbia and Spain. That is a fairly good call on the uh, text. Who was more unlucky to lose Wimbledon, Andy Roddick or Pat Rafter? Well, you'd have to say Rafter, uh, well, maybe a little harsh to say blew his chance, but when he's taking on, at the time, the wild card in Goran Ifenisevic, Rafter had a, a better chance, didn't he? Whereas Andy was uh, up against Roger. That was tough. I'll never forget that match in the dark. That was unbelievable. Was it 16-14, I think, on centre court? Um, yeah, well, Andy Roddick, I mean, very good tennis player. Suffered like many of playing in a really tough era of tennis. Uh, been runner-up uh, more than he was uh, the champion. Andy Murray, I mean, sliding doors. Andy Murray, let's just say that uh, Djokovic, Nadal and Federer went around. He'd have, he'd have ten majors. He's only got three to show for his name. Look, great warrior from uh, GB. Not sure if there's a lot left in the uh, kit bag of uh, Andy Murray. Uh, tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices. 
Jump on their website, tennisdirect.com.au. Free delivery over $150. First serve 10, that's the promo code, and you'll get uh, 10% off. So make sure you jump on uh, to uh, the website. Kyrgios could be French. Well, it's funny, I haven't even mentioned him tonight. I, mean, I mentioned Demon Aura as our big hope. And, and the reason I say that is I just have no idea what Nick Kyrgios is going to do. I have no idea what his next 12 months could look like. I mean, absolutely, if he got it all together and, and all the planets just aligned mentally, physically with his game, well, then he could. But it's the question we've been saying for a long time. So I tend to sort of just park that for the moment and just observe and watch what happens. But Demon Aura right now is their number one ranked male and... The grit and the determination can win you a major, sometimes against better players. You might have more talent, but they mightn't have as uh, big a heart. Uh, Thanks for your company tonight. Hope you're hitting them well wherever you are around the country. Great to see uh, many tennis clubs opened up here in Victoria. Club rooms to be open soon. Australian Open 2021. Well, we think we're going to find out something in the next week or two. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. Can all the players get to Australia? Are they going to be able to quarantine in the other states? Can they train while they're quarantining? That has to be a yes. No one's going to sit in a hotel for two weeks. We'll hopefully find out more in the next seven to ten days. Talk to you soon. The first serve, your home of tennis. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.